following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. As I was starting to think about this, this passage today, I kept coming back to uh, the old comic strip Family Circus. You remember the comic strip Family Circus? Um, and there's, there's one... A recurring theme in that, or one recurring joke that happens, which is Billy, the son, he's, he has to go do something, right? And then they give you his track to get done what was asked to get done. And, and so I'm going to have Jonathan put, put this one up on the screen. So in, in case, this is the best picture I could get that would blow up this large. Um, but but it, it, it's, it's the mom says to Billy, quick, Billy, run these out to the mailbox. They need to be sent today. So Billy's got to get from the back of the house, just through the house, out to the mailbox before the, the, the mail carrier comes. And you see his path, right? It's not a straight path. He's going to go in the kitchen. He's going to get a drink. He's going to come out. He's going to jump on the couch, as boys do. He's going to run through the, <laughs> through the dining room. He's going to do some jumps. He's going to sit in front of the TV for a few minutes. He's going to make his way. And just as he gets outside and runs around a little bit outside, and then he gets to the, the mailbox. And, and what you can see there, the, the mail carrier is just pulling away. And he says, Mom, oh, we just missed him. We just missed him. All the distractions, all everything else going on. If he'd have gone straight from Mom to the mailbox, he wouldn't have missed the mail carrier but he gets distracted. He lacks the focus necessary to take him from point A to point B, and because of that, he fails at his task. In our walk with Jesus, most of us know how we are called to live. Most of us know who God has called us to be, to live in light of Jesus' victory over sin and death. We know where to seek him. We know where to grow and to mature in our faith. The problem for most of us is not that we don't know what we need to do. The problem for most of us is that while we know where we need to go, we get sidetracked. And we end up falling short of what we hope for. We end up falling short of where we know we need to be and who we need to be. And so the question before us is how then do we remain consistent in enjoying and properly reflecting the love of Christ in our daily lives? How do we not get distracted by all the other things going on and take all these sidetracks and wind up missing out on what we know we need to do. Colossians chapter three, really verses one through 17 is one thought. There's a central command that Paul gives and then there's um, kind of how that works out in our lives and what that means. And, and we could preach Colossians three, one through 17 in one message, but I wanna make sure we take our time and we give proper due to each one of these sections. So over the next three weeks, we'll be covering these 17 verses. For today, we're going to see Paul setting the stage for the next two weeks. And to do so, he's going to give us a, a framework of how we maintain a, a focus 
on Christ, how we don't allow the, the chaos and the busyness of, of our lives, of the world around us, of the people around us, all of that stuff to pull us away from the task at hand. And so he's gonna tell us all about how we set our focus intently to be who God has called us to be, to live as God has called us to live. And first, he's gonna tell us that, that this matter of focus comes down to the location of our focus. He's gonna start and say, listen, we have to understand the location of our focus. He does this in, in verse one. Colossians chapter three, verse one says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The location of our focus. Paul begins by reminding us that every single one of us who calls upon Jesus as our Lord and Savior is united in Christ's victory. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, and, and we talked about this a little bit last week, how the, the Greek language has a couple different ways to, to make these if-then statements. And this, like last week, is meant to tell you this is true. Right? What Paul is really saying here is, if you've been raised with Christ, and you have, make no mistake, if you have been raised with Christ, and you have, what? Seek what is above. Seek here is a, it's, it's what we call an imperative. It's a command. It's not an option. He's not saying, this is probably a good idea for you. This might be helpful in your life. He's saying, no, no, no. If you've been raised with Christ, which you have, seek what is above, continually, constantly, in all things, seek what is above, which should raise in our minds one very obvious question. What's above? What does he mean by above? He's saying the clouds? He's talking about the deep reaches of outer space? No, we, we know that's not right. We know when he says, seek what is above, he says, seek where Christ is where he is seated at the right hand of God. He says, we seek what is above. We seek Christ because he is victorious, right? The fact that he's seated at the right hand of God means his task is done. He's accomplished his mission. And he says, this is where you look to Christ, not because of what this means for you, but you look above because of who is sitting there. You look above because Christ is there and for no other reason than the fact that Christ is there. And this combats the false teachings that we've seen come against the Colossians, right? Last week, we talked about how they said, okay, you need to do this thing, and you need to do this thing, and you need to have this proper kind of worship. Why? So that you can be good enough, so that you can be better, so that you can earn your place before God. Seek what is above so you can make yourself right. Paul says that misses the point. Today he says, no, you seek what is above, not because of what you can get, but because of who is, sitting, who is seated there. That location above, you seek what is above. I, I was, um, Jason Zagman and I taught a, a, a t-ball team this summer. And when you work with t-ball kids, there's lots of like, fundamentals that you have to teach them. One of the most important when it comes to them hitting the ball is you have to teach them how to, I'm going to pretend this is a T for a second. You have to teach them how to address the T, how to stand. Because if you just give a kid a bat and go say, say, hey, go hit the ball. Well, the field's out there. They may come stand right here. They may stand over here. They have no idea. 
You have to teach them how to stand, where to address the T. Because no matter how great a swing that kid has, if they're standing out here, they're not going to get a hit. The ball's not going to go where it needs to go. They have to know the location of where they're facing. They have to have the right location in front of them so they can do what they know they need to do. I'm assuming that because you're here, you want to live like Christ. You want to grow in in Christ-likeness. You want to have that life that reflects who he is. And in fact, if we're honest and we have conversations with people who want nothing to do with the Christian religion and you talk to them, they want to live good lives, right? Everybody wants to live a good life, whether they know that's in Christ or not. See, so the problem with being like Christ for us is not a problem of desire. The reason we fail to be more like Christ is not, for most of us, not because we don't want to. The problem is direction. The problem is where we set our focus, that location of our focus. Because like the Colossians, you and I are gonna face all kinds of chaos and and half-truths in the world that we live in every day. And every single one of those things can serve to draw us off course, to distract us. And, And I'm not even saying we get distracted by sin and by bad things, right? Sometimes we do. Sometimes sin is that distraction in our lives. But for most of us, the things that distract us are are not sin. They're otherwise good things. We get distracted by marriages. We get distracted by children, grandchildren. We get distracted by jobs. We get distracted by hobbies. We get distracted by religious activity. We get distracted by our, our, our search for prestige. We get distracted by the, the things God has given us, the possessions we have. Every single one of these things can be good, but they can also steal our focus from our God. They can steal our focus from where it needs to be. So the question becomes, okay, We understand the location of our focus. We understand where we need to be focused. It's Christ. It's where he is seated. And we understand that in the chaos and mess and challenges of the world around us, we're very easily distracted. So what do we do? How do we combat that? How do we distinguish between the good things that we're looking at, the good things we're doing, and the God things? Let me give you two helps this morning. This is far from an exhaustive list, but let me give you two two ways to help you out in this process. First, if we want to know and address the the proper location of our divine focus, we need to learn to quiet our hearts. Quiet our hearts. That's a very spiritual sounding phrase, isn't it? We're going to learn to quiet our hearts. But we do, we need to learn that, that peace and that calm that comes only from Christ. We do this by spending time in prayer, praying for God to give us peace amidst the, the struggles, the battles, the questions, the doubts, the, the successes, the joys, all that other stuff that happens in our life. We ask God, God, give, give me peace in this moment that I may remain focused on you. 
We do this by learning to sit in silence. Man, is there anything less comfortable than just sitting by yourself in silence? For most of us, that feels like torture. And I am with you. (laughs) But there's a peace that comes, there's a quiet that comes over our spirits when we can sit with the Lord and say, okay, God, speak to me. And we can just sit and listen to his voice. Maybe it comes in, instead of having our prayer lives be a, okay, here's my two minutes to rattle off as many prayers as I can before I get started on the rest of my day. Maybe it's finding time to sit down, sit back, and, and handwrite our prayers. Right? Just to slow down, to quiet our hearts, to center ourselves not on finishing this task and finishing that task and getting on to the next one, but focusing on, God, what, what do you want me to do? Where are you calling me today? How can I center my focus on you and on you alone? So we learn to quiet our hearts. Second, we learn to quiet our schedules. We learn to quiet our schedules. For many of us, one of the hardest words for us to say is no. But we need, if we are going to properly set our focus in the proper location, we need to learn the beauty of the word no. Sometimes even to good things, we have to learn to say no. And if you're like, well, that doesn't seem very Christ-like. Like if I have an opportunity, I should say yes and I should help. That may sound very Christ-like. The problem is Jesus said no. Jesus said no to good things. In Mark chapter one, verse 35 through 38, it says very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, Jesus, got up, went out and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I've come. Do you hear the, Jesus doesn't say no, but they say, Jesus, everyone's looking for you in the town. Come back and talk to them. And what's Jesus say? Let's go to the neighboring villages. Yeah, it would be good for Jesus to go back there. It would be good for him to preach to those people again. But Jesus says, that's that's not why I've come to sit in this one place. So he goes to the neighboring villages. He fulfills the calling his father has given him. Jesus knew how to say no to quiet his schedule so that he could do what God has set in front of him. No, he doesn't do this just because he doesn't want to go back. Remember, he's just spent a significant time in prayer, seeking the Father's will. This isn't about, yeah, I don't like that, or I don't like those people. I don't want to be there, so no. I'm doing God's work. I can't go there. No, he's prayed. He understands what God is calling him to do. There's a time to do what is necessary. And there is a time to say no to good things so that we can embrace God things. And if we want to learn to to tune out the chaos and the busyness and the noise and everything else in the world around us, we have to learn to quiet our hearts and quiet our schedules so that we can set ourselves to, to, to seek what is above Have we created space in our lives so that we can focus on what is above? So Paul tells us, 
Listen, this is where you focus. You seek what is above, where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. And then he goes on in verse two and three. And he tells us how to maintain our focus. He shows us the, the resilience of our focus. The resilience of our focus. Let me read verse one, and then we'll read verse two and three. He says, so if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The resilience of our focus. Paul, Paul doubles down here, right? He, he said, seek the things that are above. And now he says, set your minds on things above. Now you'll find some people who try to take these two phrases and be like, well, they mean different things. And he's trying to make these nuanced statements. That's not what he's doing. He's being emphatic in his command. The call to, to set your minds on things above is another imperative. It's another command. It's not a choice. He says, you seek things above, you set your mind there. It's, it's, it's this parallelism that he uses that's common through much of scripture where he gives us the same thing, the same command. He's saying, don't miss this. Don't gloss over this. Don't think it's okay to ignore this. Seek what is above, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Again, he's, he's giving some repetition. Then he says, why? Why do you do this? Why do you seek what is above? Why do you set your mind above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God? Why? He says, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ. This idea of being hidden with Christ, it's a point of security. He says, you have died. Your earthly nature, the ways of your flesh has died. We're gonna get into this in the next couple weeks. He says, that earthly nature has died. Your life is hidden with Christ. It is secured in Christ. In Galatians 2, verse 20, Christ, uh, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, right? He says, you have died, we have died. We don't belong to this world. We don't belong to the ways of this world. We don't belong to that old sinful nature. No, our lives rest in Christ and they are secured in his life, his death and his resurrection, Dying means that we have been raised with Christ. And if we're resurrected with him, then we have a divine and eternal security in his victory. But again, what do you say in verse one? Christ is seated above where he is seated at the right hand of God. The work is done. The war is over. The victory is secured. You've died. Your life is secure in Christ. Well, what does this mean for our endurance against distractions and our resilience and our focus of things above? What Paul tells us here is that our ability to continually seek what is above, to continue to pursue Christ, to stay on course, to stay on track, it's not about us. 
about the work that Christ has done, the work that he has finished. And so our ability to remain focused isn't about us just wholeheartedly rejecting everything around us, right? I don't need anything to do with anything in this world. I don't need relationships. I don't need jobs. I don't need any of this stuff because my life is hidden with Christ. I'm secure in him. No, that, that's not the point. The point is that if we remain focused with our first thought, our first hope, the first speech on our lips, the first work of our hands is all about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we stay on track. Then we stay focused. We continue to seek him more and more because we understand what he has done for us more and more. When we grasp the depth of God's love for us, for a broken, sinful people who don't deserve his love, who don't deserve his acceptance, who don't deserve his redemption, when we understand how much he loved us, in giving us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to to love him and serve him and to watch us time and time and time again turn our backs and run in the opposite direction, to watch him in spite of all that send his son Jesus Christ to live perfectly, die sacrificially, rise victoriously, to deliver us completely. When we understand that, why would we want to put our focus anywhere else? Because here's the thing, you might have some people in your life who love you a whole lot, but their love is weak compared to the love of Jesus. All those things that we think are gonna make us happy, we think are gonna fulfill us, we think are gonna satisfy us, they let us down. But when the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is first and foremost, then we can endure any hardship because we know that they are nothing compared to what our sin deserves. It means we're okay with being disrespected because Jesus' honor is far more important to us than our own. It means that we can love those who have hurt us because we understand how unmerited God's grace has been towards us and how no person in this world could ever hurt us in the way that we hurt our heavenly father. I'm not saying it makes the Christian walk, it makes following Jesus any easier but we can reflect Christ more and more when we understand the resilience of our faith, the resilience of our focus comes from knowing who he is, not our strength, not our abilities. Isaiah 45, verse 22, God says to his people, he says, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, Right? Every single person who has ever lived, is living, ever will live, turn to me and be saved. For I am God and there is no other. Our faith can only be resilient when we are not the center of it. When our goals, our dreams, our hopes, when they're not about us. It is only when Jesus is our first, our center, and our everything. So if we want to get real with ourselves and we sit back this week and we take some time 
We look at all the things in our lives and we maybe make a list of all the objects that draw our most intent focus. How many of them actually center on Jesus? How many of them actually center on who he has called us to be, what he is calling us to do? I'm glad I didn't make that list before I came up here because then I'd have to tell you the actual number. And I have a feeling that would embarrass me. Do the objects of our most intent focus stir our hearts to increasing faithfulness to Jesus Christ? We have the location of our focus. We see the, the source of resilience in our focus. Paul closes these four verses. And he tells us of the revelation of our focus. The revelation of our focus. Let me read verses one through four. Read the whole thing here. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The revelation of our focus. There's an interesting thing Paul does in verse four, right? He moves from the fact that we are hidden in Christ to now he talks about the appearance. He says, now you appear. And some of your, some of your translations may actually use the word uh, Revelation. Some of your translations may say, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, right? Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Appears, or a revelation here is, is talking about how Christ makes himself known. This revelation isn't about gaining some kind of secret knowledge. When we see in here this this revelation, the appearance of Christ and our appearing with him. It's not some secret knowledge that we get. That's what the false teachers were trying to put to the Colossians in verses, uh, chapter two, verse 16 through 19. He's talking about this, this is how you get this secret knowledge, the secret access to God. This isn't what Paul's saying. He's saying the revelation of our focus is the fact that Christ has already revealed himself. The revelation of our focus is putting ourselves in a place to be ready and willing and able to see what God has already revealed to us. God revealed himself, his love, his nature, and his redemption through Jesus. Back in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that, that hymn of Paul, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the... The, the picture that we see of the perfect heavenly father. So Jesus reveals who God is. When we are focused on Christ and Christ alone, we see that revelation. We get that picture, that understanding of who our father is. And that's great. But Paul goes on. And he says that when Christ returns, then he'll be fully revealed to the world. 
right? He says, when Christ who is your life appears, he's, he's talking future tense here. Yeah, Jesus gives you a picture of who the father is, but remember he's coming back. Paul writes in Philippians chapter two, verse 10 and 11, right? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the father. That's talking about Christ's return. Because if it's talking about Jesus and his first coming, then every person we meet would confess Jesus Christ is Lord, but they do not, right? Right. So this is talking about when Christ returns. And at that time, he will be revealed fully and completely. There will be no question as to whether Jesus really existed. Was he a historical figure? Was he not? Can he save us from our sins? Is he truly divine? Is all this stuff that people might want to debate about the truth of God's word will be fully and completely revealed? And at that point, the Holy Spirit will give every single person the opportunity and say, did you trust me or not? Did you trust him? Did you look to Christ or did you not? Remember we talked about Isaiah 45 verse 22. And Isaiah, uh, God speaks through Isaiah and says, turn to me and be saved. Uh, in fact, the old King James version, the translation is, is literally look to me and be saved. The revelation of our focus is not that we focus and all of a sudden we get this new information. It's that we're focused on the right things, the things that God has already revealed to us. Picture, picture you go to like a fair somewhere. And they have like the high wire act set up, kind of a circus kind of thing. And they're like, hey, do you wanna, we're letting everybody go up and walk across the high wire. And you're really brave. You're braver than me because there is no way I'm getting on that thing. But you're braver than me. So you get up and you watch everybody go in front of you. There's a, there's a good line. And everybody who goes up takes one or two steps and falls off. And they go up, they take one or two steps and they fall off. And you just watch one after another, after another, after another. Nobody's made it across this thing. And you get up and you stand and you look out and you go, do I? what did I just get myself into? But at the top, there's a kind of a safety officer. And they say, hey, we'll give you a choice. Do you want to be clipped in or not? I know you've seen everybody fall, but if you think you can make it, we don't even need to clip you in. Just go for it. Your choice, be clipped in or not, security or fear. Let me ask you, clipped in or not clipped in, which one allows you to focus on simply walking across the wire? It's being clipped in. There's security there because you know you're safe. You know you are secure. And so you can walk. Listen, if we remain resiliently focused above, if we make that decision of who we are going to serve then we have that security in Christ because we know the revelation of God that Jesus has won and that he is coming back. 
if we want to celebrate with more gratitude in our lives, then we constantly come back to this revelation of Jesus' love. If we want to be more satisfied in our work, then we constantly come back to this revelation of God's calling in our lives to be a reflection of him in whatever areas of life we get to walk, to reflect his care and his cultivation for his creation. If we want to walk in deeper relationships with the people around us, then we focus on Christ, learning to submit to God's command to seek their interests over our own desires, our own hopes, our own needs. If we want to know the true revelation of God's love, grace, and mercy, then we must remember constantly and at all times that he is God. And we are called to submit to his sovereign reign. And that will not always make sense to us. That will not always feel right to our human sensibilities. And it may even be confusing to us at times. But if we want to see God's goodness and his fullness, then our focus must be set above. Where he has revealed to us everything we need to know. He has shown us Christ's redemption. And he has shown us the coming glory of his eternal Glorious presence, which we will get to enjoy for all of eternity. So what is it that we see revealed through the location of our resilient focus? Is our focus set above, set on the things above, not on earth, so that we see everything God has shown us, everything he has given us, to be enough for us and for our lives. It's easy for us to get distracted. We are a people who are easily distracted. It's easy to allow our focus to be captured by things that seem urgent, by things that make us feel good, by things that we believe will bring significance to our lives. And I'm not saying that we should ignore all of these things, but what I am saying is that in the midst of all of that stuff, we will only accomplish important work. We will only embrace true joy. We will only find real significance when our focus is set above, allowing everything else to fall in place around that singular divine focus. This requires us to remember the location, the resilience and the revelation of a focus that is above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. There's no better way for us to do that than by coming together as the body of Christ around the the communion table. It is here that we reset our focus on the remembrance of Christ's undeserved sacrifice, the gratitude for his victoriously eternal deliverance and for our surrender to his authority. As we prepare to come to the communion table, I just remind you that the the communion is not the express property of Erie Evangelical Free Church. It is open to all who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it is in our joy, and it is our joy to reflect and remember Jesus' promise, his sacrifice, and his deliverance. 
as we partake of this together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Right now, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to give, we'll give you a few moments of quiet reflection to examine yourselves as Paul commands us before coming to the communion table to examine our own hearts, to confront our own hearts as to whether we have retained through the past week, month, year, through this life, that singular focus on the things above. And after that time, Pastor Ron will come and and lead us to the table together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are God and that we are not. We thank you that all that we need, past, present, future, has been provided by you. Even as we read Colossians 3, we see that truth very clearly. We have been raised in the past. We are hidden with Christ in the present, and we will appear with him in the future. You give us all that we need. And Father, we are a failed people. We are far from perfect. And we allow the distractions and the the things of this life to draw us off course, to, to to take our focus off of you and, and put them on other things or, or to put them on ourselves to think, well, if I just get what I want, if I just had what I need, if everybody just did what I needed them to do, then I would be happy. Then I would be satisfied. But Lord, we know that's a lie that the enemy whispers in our ears because there is no satisfaction. There is no fulfillment. There is no joy. There is no hope that is not found in you. There's momentary relief from struggles and trials, but there's no joy, there's no hope, there is no satisfaction, there's no fulfillment anywhere but in you. And so, Father, we pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, fill us this week, allow us to walk out of here, allow us to um, just remember to set our focus on you and on you alone, that you would be the first, you would be the center, you would be the everything. And may we rejoice at what you're going to do in us and through us with such focus. And as we prepare to come to the table, we pray that this would be a a beautiful reminder of the, the fact that you have given us everything we need. With the body and blood of Jesus Christ, you've purified us, welcomed us into your family and sent us out on a mission to boldly proclaim that truth wherever you send us. So Father, again, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. In your great and awesome name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.